0: Hello, and welcome to Not the Podcast You Deserve. On today's episode, your host will be discussing some of the best bosses in our favorite movies, as well as some unique characteristics that go into making or representing a boss in a movie. We hope you enjoy Not the Podcast You Deserve.
1: So we went real long on our last podcast uh, talking about best TV shows of all time. And I think that we didn't get a chance to talk about everything we wanted to get said. One thing I wanted to note was that out of all three of our lists, uh, we left off The Office. Nobody brought it up as even an honorable mention. um, And I want to see kind of what you guys thought about that in terms of, to me, Office was really, really good while Steve Carell was on it. um, And it, it has to be given some sort I, of clarity. I like
2: that I like that you made the clarification
1: yeah once he leaves it's not <laughs> as much <well. laughs> but like uh the the fact that that show like spawned Parks and Rec which was mm-hmm. which is like one of like is number two for me yeah. um, one of my favorite shows of all time the fact that it like spawned that type of documentary you know mockumentary style thing mm-hmm. and it kind of gave birth to one of the best shows ever I was just kind of surprised that nobody even brought it up as honorable mention I know we ran out of time
2: but yeah so I I felt like I addressed a little bit of this, like in my intro as to what went into my criteria for my best shows. Mm -hmm. um, I know there were ones that I left off that were like genre defining and just were really, really good. And and the office is up there. I objectively look at it and say, I know that is good. But when I watch it, I'm an empathetic viewer and I get so uncomfortable. Yeah. (laughs) Like I, I can't watch more than like one, maybe two episodes at a time. And then I'm like, I need to take a shower because mm-hmm. I feel weird for all these other people.
1: Yeah, that's that's true. It is like, it is it is very uncomfortable viewing. And I know it's, I know it's the
2: extreme example, but like, um, oh shoot, what's the, something tots, right? When he, Stats, tots. Yeah. God's tots, thank you. When he tells them he's going to send them to college, like that episode, I know it's like the extreme example, but like, Oh my gosh! It makes me cringe every time. Right?
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. because he ends up giving them laptop batteries, right? Mm-hmm. That, yeah. man.
0: he like preps it as if he's gonna give them computers instead, right. and they're like, "Oh, okay." I mean, and then it's just the batteries, <laughs> and it's another just
2: huge I, dip. I know that it's so funny, but it makes me. Square, yeah every it's, time it's an
1: uncomfortable show for sure did it did you guys have anything that y'all wanted to talk about for the last show uh top 10 tv shows or is there uh anything y'all want to go back over or y'all want to get right into the next one
0: yeah well i think bringing up the office is a really good point as far as uh that specifically we did not make the top 10 greatest tv shows yeah um a large part is it just our top 10 favorite um mm-hmm. and we could only speak to the ones that we grew up We've we seen in our lifetime. Um, I haven't watched Cheers or MASH, you know, some great TV, um, but it just wasn't ever in the running for me because I haven't seen it. I don't, didn't watch it. It wasn't popular uh, when I was growing up.
1: Yeah, um, on that same note, too, is I, I I need to preface. I've never seen Sopranos. I've heard that Eat. Sopranos is great. I've never watched it. Uh, and Veep, I know, is another one that is mm-hmm. most people that yeah. I trust love Veep. I've just never gotten mm-hmm. around to it. So I'm, I'm excited to look at those two and The Wire. I'm hearing uh, Crawford talk about The Wire last week. so good. Um, I'm really excited yeah. to get started on The Wire. I'm finishing up Fargo right now. And I feel like oh, I can't yeah. have another like crime one until I finish <laughs> Fargo. Fargo seems like it's really good, though. So yeah. whenever I do get a chance to finish Fargo. Maybe we'll do another top 10 in a year or so, see how Ooh. our minds have changed.
0: Based on how our litany of viewers, our ever growing fan base uh, requests from us. <laughs> For sure. It's up to For you. Sure. It's up to you guys. We only make the content that y'all want.
1: So, I guess uh, that's that's enough recap from uh, last episode. If you didn't get a chance to check out uh, episode three, it was our top 10 favorite TV shows. And this episode, we'll be talking about uh, best movie bosses uh and that is going to go a couple of different directions i think uh drew allen why don't you start us off get this get this ball rolling
0: yeah i'm gonna go ahead and have to segue into our boss <laughs> all right. talk all right i'm gonna have to ask you to come in on friday saturday <laughs> uh to edit this kyle uh but no we did we want to talk about bosses today going through the tv shows greatest tv shows ever that are, I guess, specifically not that, our favorite TV shows. Uh, I noticed there are a couple characters in some of my favorite TV shows that really stood out to me, and it was the bosses. I think TV is a long-running narrative, and so you get to kind of flesh out a lot of different characters. But when in movies, you only have about one, maybe two main protagonists, and a lot of times, they're kind of the everyday man And so the boss role gets kind of kicked, not kicked to the side, but is always kind of a side character. And I think it's a really unique uh, role in movies. Um, And I like it when they're effective, when they're good at their job. And you don't often get to see that. It's a lot more common and relatable when you have an awful boss, because I think a lot of people in real life have awful bosses. And I think it would be a really easy topic to talk about the top 10 worst bosses. There's a whole movie... Called horrible bosses. <laughs> All the horrible bosses. Exactly. Was, more a on that
1: later. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, I think it'd be easier to do that, but I really got taken by this idea of why aren't there more really effective, great bosses that, because I feel like I go watch movies to kind of like an escape from reality. Can I live in a fantasy adventure? Awesome. Like I want to be entertained. And so I want to see people who are good at their job and can get stuff done. But in a movie, you gotta have conflict. And if your boss is too good, if your leader, your general, your coach is so great that he just overwhelms the enemy, the bad guys, then it's not really that interesting of a movie. Yeah, so I don't think we get that very often. And I wanted to highlight kind of those times that we do get to see a fun, great boss or a fun dynamic between a smart boss and a smart character. And that's kind of where I came in with this idea of what are the best bosses in movies.
1: So, so if using all of that, you know, what's one that sticks out to you as a, a great boss?
0: So, there's a lot of different um, types of bosses, and I guess the one that kind of jumps out at me just right off the bat. I don't know if he counts fully as a boss, but Alec Baldwin and Glenn Gary Glenn Ross has one of the best monologues.
1: Yeah, that's in a great all scene. Of the
0: movie and i don't know if he fully encapsulates the boss in that movie but he's definitely coming from above and is inspiring and building the team up and encouraging in a way that anybody watching that movie uh, can not not go forth and uh, just conquer hang on you and think he was
1: encouraging them in that scene he was encouraging them to be better yeah i don't know if <laughs> I, <laughs> I wouldn't say he was an, to
2: i wouldn't say he was an encourager Okay, and that's, that's a fair point
1: and, and that's i think the toughest part about being in a in a role where you have people underneath you in a boss sort of role is you know you the the nice guys don't always get you know the best production out of the people underneath them mm. um and sometimes the people that are the hardest to work for get the best results just because you know when you roll with an iron fist
2: at, at a certain mm. point in time as an
1: oh. underling you don't want to get slapped too many times by that that hand
2: mm-hmm. uh, um I, I, I will say that uh, you know you're not sure if he's totally a, the boss character or not. I will say he's been quoted by every boss. Ever. <laughs> I, every, I make my yeah.
1: I make my team watch that that once a year, every year we sit down and we watch that together. That's amazing. Um, every I boss think... has
2: walked into a room at some point and gone, "Coffee's for closers." Cause of <laughs> like being funny and original, and it's like everyone says that.
1: On my, on my big whiteboard in our meeting room, I've got ABC on there and uh, we see it, we see it every year. Um, That's an interesting one. I I think uh, in terms of, uh, and and that's, I think, where this gets skewed is, you know, is a good boss someone who takes care of their employees or is a good boss someone who gets results kind of regardless. Um, You'd love to have kind of one that's uh, does both, but I think that mm-hmm. it's that's tough to do, um, kind of regardless of what field you're in. I think uh, I uh, say uh, that I've only ever been in like one field in my life, so I don't know. <laughs> maybe it's different outside of the world of football, but to I know kind of that...
0: juxtapose. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't cut you off. No, good. You want to go? Um, the the kind of, you're talking about, he, like Alec Baldwin and Glenberry Glen Barry Gilmore Ross is a very hard-hitting, tough boss that gets results or inspires people. Second place gets steak knives,
2: third place gets fired.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, kind of a a grindstone, um, tough leader. The idea of getting results. On the opposite side of that, I think a great example would be Captain Gene, Michael Keaton, uh, and the other guys. A very fun, (laughs) likable boss. That gets right, no results or respect.
1: I was going to bring up the fact that in Glengarry Glenn Ross, Alec Baldwin's character is actually not the boss at all. Kevin Spacey mm. is the boss, and because he yeah. can't get his guys to effectively, you know, execute his plan, he has to bring in an outside force to do that. Um, mm. And so, while I'm sure Kevin Spacey's character seemed like a nice guy, he couldn't get the results that he needed, so he had to go get a hired hand to do, you know, to to really yeah, put the exactly pressure on. And so, does that make him a good boss? Because Kevin Spacey wasn't the one who was saying, you don't get this stuff done. You're fired. He had to bring somebody else to do it. So I think it's a really interesting um, Mm -hmm. uh, parallel you get, you know, you can be the nice guy that lets everybody, you know, work at their own pace and do what they need to do, but you may not get results if you don't have the right kind of people underneath you, or you can be the guy who comes in and says, screw all you guys. Y'all are worthless. If you don't get this stuff done, you know, you're out. And you know, that's more likely to get work done But Mm -hmm. it's also not a great way of, you know, you're not gonna have a whole lot of people that are on your team. on the Yeah,
2: it's not not sustainable, right? Like you might get effective results. It kind
1: of depends on how long, how good you are. Period, right?
2: But like, it's not a long-term, hey, you guys are all gonna be here for the next 15 years. You're gonna keep producing at a high level. It's like, you're either gonna put out right now or you're going to get fired and then I'm gonna find somebody else. And that's why you get a lot like, those industries where you get a bunch of turnover. Mm -hmm.
1: That's Mm -hmm. what I I was going to talk about a boss that stuck out to me. was Don Corleone from the Godfather. Mm -hmm. Um, Talk about someone who was able to execute his plan and he wasn't always just, he wasn't giving out bonuses and happy Christmas cards uh, to his, uh, to his employees, but someone who had a plan and was able to get that executed uh, Mm -hmm. very well uh, and get the results that he wanted. Uh, Don Corleone from The Godfather was definitely one of those. Drew, did you have one?
2: Yeah, I I tried to think like outside the traditional like office boss structure. So the first ones that came to my mind were like Mary Poppins. Uh, (laughs) Okay. She is the boss of those kids and she is the person I would want to work for, for sure. Like she's (laughs) strict enough to get what she needs, but she does it in kind of a kind and fun way. Right? So Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just fun. a little off kilter. Uh, Definitely interesting. I think Gru from Spickle Me is like the best boss. <laughs> because even before he turns good, he's running a huge organization. Do you know how many minions there are? And he knows all of them by name.
1: One that I thought of uh, was Les Grossman from Tropic Thunder.
0: Yes. Uh, oh my gosh.
1: because He's insane. But if you have a boss that's willing... To get on the phone with a terrorist organization and tell them to just go screw themselves to get your guy back. I want to work for that guy. Now I think he ended up, he did end up like selling Ben Steller for like a for like a private jet or something (laughs) but he went to bat for A G5. (laughs) And I don't know anybody that's willing to give a G5 for me so I feel like I'd probably be okay. I think that would be all right.
2: I
0: I had put on my list Matthew McConaughey from Tropic Thunder as Rick Peck. Wow. Because yeah. he what he gets him his TiVo and then that saves <laughs> his <right>. life. <laughs> that's
1: right. Yeah, that's a good point.
0: And he calls him up and he misunderstands and thinks he's killed somebody and is going to walk him through how to get out of it. Which that's, is not. Oh, I forgot about Morley yeah. Gray. But yeah. speaking, speaking of
2: first guy, speaking of Morley Gray, the uh, I'm going to get some pushback from this one, but like bear with me for a hot second. I think one of the best bosses is Emperor Palpatine. Oh, interesting. Listen, okay. I get he is a bad guy. I mean, not I'm not, I'm, listen, I'm not denying it. Dude has bad morals. Mm-hmm. Dude also runs an entire galaxy pretty effectively. Uh, he He's very wow. influential, motivating, charismatic. He got an entire set of galactic representation to vote him into power forever because that's how much they trust him. Uh, he was able to orchestrate a war from both sides and let other people take the credit slash wow. Uh That's leading wow. from behind, for sure. He's, he, you know, leading from behind, letting other people make their own decisions. Um, wow. he, he's a good mentor to Anakin. You know, takes a personal <laughs> <Is> investment. <he? laughs> Listen, as he takes in, personal... yeah, in terms of
1: getting, yeah, uh, in terms of getting, you know, the results that he wanted, he got them.
2: And also... Not everything he did was bad, right? From episode oh. one from episode one to episode four, slavery stopped being a thing on Tatooine. So like that's a thing. And see, this is where I'm I don't know. This he was doing su- he was doing such a good job that Anakin wanted or sorry, Luke wanted to join the Empire at the beginning of episode four. Do you remember that? When he's like, Oh I'm um, I wanna get my I wanna go to the academy next year, blah, 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 blah. What academy do you think he's talking about? It's not the Jedi Academy. That doesn't exist. He wasn't going to the Empire interesting wow that's
1: i i feel like i whenever there's those scenes in star wars when they're all in the senate and like the floating circle things you know yeah, I, I totally tuned out like i have yeah. no idea what jar jar was saying up there not i'm not sure yeah you shouldn't have been listening
2: anyway so it's fine yeah um, that's an
1: that's an interesting one i had darth vader uh for the a similar deal just because he, he gets results and if, but <laughs> he, if like hey, you say something Amber... he doesn't like he'll force choke you
2: now And (laughs) he killed employees under him. I think think more than anything, that proves my point, because Emperor Valtzian hires good people. Wow, wow. The best best sign of a boss is, you know, what's their middle management like? If we take uh, a step
0: away from best boss being the greatest, most fun, (laughs) awesome, cool boss, to the best effective boss, (laughs) as far as bestness being ability to be a boss
2: again not saying he's a good person i would not like to work i can for him. see what you're saying somebody i would like to work for and
1: i do think is a good boss is danny ocean from oceans 11 12 oh heck yeah 13. that dude is a mastermind uh, planner yeah. uh, he does a great job of hiring people seeing his need great team. and hiring for his need um and getting his team, team to execute his plan uh, Danny Ocean would be pretty great. Plus, and, probably, and he does a great job of
2: uh, pivoting when there's, you know, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Anybody yeah. can lead when things are going well. But when things start going south, you know, that's what makes mm. a good leader, in my opinion. Yeah, and he, for sure, he did a great job of of getting his team uh, switching plans around and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, plus, he'd be a fun guy to work for.
0: I agree. Yeah,
1: and we'd probably make that's a like lot of money.
0: Um, another one on my list that um, kind of another pivot. Dame Judi Dench as M in James Bond. I had him
2: on my list too.
0: So good. And you could probably choose a couple different M's throughout the years. But there's just one um, that sticks out to me and that's Dame Judi Dench. She was so good that she got hired and kept on even when they revamped the Daniel Craig. Or they like, like they kept her on. One from Pierce Brosnan, Daniel Craig. Yeah. She's Gets the job done. Um, I mean, I do concede that in one movie she does have James Bond shot, but it was for the <laughs> greater good of the entire nation. She knows and how to
2: make the decisions. Which She's one was tough. that?
0: She's tough. She's scrappy. Uh, I think it was it's not Sky. It was I think it was Skyfall. Oh, doesn't he get shot on the train on Skyfall? Did she put it, that together? Yeah, she doesn't plan it, but she like okay's the risk of it, and he ends oh, up dying. Right. Yeah, okay. But she's tough and scrappy. And in that same movie when she's getting like pushed out and they're gonna replace her with Ray Fines, like she like the bo- they're telling her, like they're trying to just push her out, and she's like, I'm gonna quit when the job's done. Like that's one of the coolest, most like I get chills when she's when she is just talking about finishing all of the
2: work. And and she's a great example of a boss who lets people do their job the way that they need to, right? She's yeah. not like, here's the rigid structure that you have to fit into this box. She, mm-hmm. she definitely treats 007 differently than she treats 006 yeah. or 005 or, you know, whoever. Yeah. Uh, and lets all of them operate in the way that best fits them as a person. Uh, and I think that's a great example of a boss who can identify strengths and weaknesses in individuals and let them operate in the way that best mm-hmm. fits them.
1: Okay, so sharp left turn from uh, Dame Judy Dench, uh, a coach of a team, um, yeah. is is effectively a boss of an organization, um, and I think one of the better bosses of a team or a coach, you'd be you'd be remiss if you didn't talk about Patches O'Houlihan from Dodgeball. Uh, you know, the guy had a, the guy had his acronyms ready to go at any point in time: <laughs> dodge, duck, dip, dive, and, and dodge. Uh, he was, he was, uh, with his team, uh, from the very beginning and he got them to a championship caliber, uh, level and his, yeah. uh, his failure is essentially what pushed, uh, pushed the team or his, his death, his demise. So it pushed the team together and rallied the team to win. I think patches has got to be one of the best, uh, coaches in, uh, in cinema wow. history.
0: I would agree. That's such a good take. Thank you. <laughs> He, like, pioneers dodgeball, doesn't he? Don't they, like, watch a yeah. video of him, like, the first ever coach of a dodgeball? Well, that's ball. a good point. Yeah, he, like,
1: created the, the game, essentially, yeah. And he was able to do it all, you know, from from a, a, a wheelchair. He was able to to yeah. throw – throw. and that's another guy who did it in unconventional ways. Probably oh, if you were on the oxy, team. Yeah. yeah, you didn't like running into traffic to dodge cars or getting hit in the head of the wrench, but you learned. And you yeah. were able to, you know
0: – Wow! dodge
1: all the balls now
0: uh probably and there's, uh, there's something to be said about being able to coach without being able to show what you're asking somebody to do
2: yeah very he's like he's it. like a real real twisted uh mr miyagi right it's like a yeah. oh paint the <laughs> fence right like that's how you're gonna learn it's like dodge cars that's how you're gonna learn <laughs> um yeah it's it's a darker mr miyagi and uh, he gets results
1: i want to ask you guys who's the better coach uh, Coach Bombay from Mighty Ducks or Coach Brooks from Miracle. Whoa. Both hockey coaches. Both guys took on an impossible. It's uh, miracle. It's
2: miracle. Why are you even explaining the question? It's, it's essentially the same movie,
1: just one deals with Co- preteens and the Co- other one is
2: Co- Co- doesn't
1: athletes.
2: Even, let's not forget Coach Bombay doesn't even want to be there. He he has to because he got a DY. That makes it even
1: more impressive that he was able to win a championship when he didn't even (laughs) want to be there in the first place.
2: He's there because a judge made him be there. Coach Brooks is bending over backwards to get all these college players up to a level to beat the Soviets and be a national hero. Different uh, stakes. Different stakes. Definitely different stakes.
0: I love the idea of that Body Ducks is the miracle for kids. <laughs>
1: it's essentially. Isn't the team they play at the end? They're from like Iceland or something. Greenland maybe. In, uh,
2: in the second one, they're. From- oh, it's this.
1: That's Mighty Ducks too. Oh, okay, well, yeah, same coach. Um, another coach, uh, Nate Scarborough from The Longest Yard, uh, played oh by Burt gosh. Reynolds in the remake. Uh, he is not only the coach. He also comes in for the last play of the game to right. win the yeah. game for the team. Uh, you talk about a boss that's willing to get his hands dirty. Coach Scarborough, wow. he was able to get in there and, and really make things happen when the team
2: needed him. Listen, I I will put up against him uh, Jimmy McGinty from The Replacements, Gene Hackman's <laughs> character. Yeah. Uh, he. I think he's the best coach. Well, Gene Hackman plays a great coach all the time. Losers, right? Okay, all that stuff. yeah. But oh, yeah. Uh, The Replacements, I think, is a great example of a good coach because he's – as the title suggests, working with not the actual players, right? Like (laughs) he's using backups and scrubs and people who just got off the couch and he is still able to get effective play out of them. And he, you know, does some unorthodox things and has to deal with bureaucracy and different player personalities. But I think he's- Remind me- The replacements, is that the Keanu Reeves? Yes,
1: it's the Keanu
0: Reeves Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's so interesting that you chose that version of Gene Hackman as a coach. And not Hoosiers.
2: (laughs) I want to get a tattoo that says, uh, Chicks dig scars. Pain is temporary. Pain is temporary. Glory lasts forever. Yeah. I want to get that tattoo.
0: I wish I could root for him, but I can't stand that movie. Just for the sole fact that at the end, like, climax of the movie Keanu Reeves turns to his coach and says I want the ball It's like you are the quarterback you get the ball every <laughs> play it goes through you but I think you bring up a great point in that he's working with backups starting
2: so, starting quarterback and um, placeholder for the for the field goals yeah <laughs> has not been seen <laughs> like, since
1: uh, Tony Romo Tony 2006
2: 2007
1: <laughs> yeah um, and another great coach uh, coach Klein from Waterboy, uh, Oh uh yeah oh, he, wow. not only was he a way uh, ahead of his time in terms of offensive scheme uh he had to go through <laughs> mental trauma he had to yeah. overcome a lot of barriers uh in his life in order to get back to being the coach that he once was and then you know the the mud dogs they're the the mud dogs won the bourbon bowl right <laughs> it's uh that's that's uh, just amazing uh, it doesn't happen all the time.
0: What's the c- c- golf coach from Happy Gilmore?
1: Chubbs. Yeah. Chubbs, I have Chubbs on
0: there too. Yeah. With, these are, some, these are some great Adam Sandler sports movie coaches. Yeah. It's a bracket right there.
1: That's a, it could be one itself. How about Mick from Rocky? Uh Mick yeah. was a great mentor, great coach. He's another one who had to, you know, his demise was something that mm, ended up really mm-hmm. fueling and he was not the guy who was always very nice to Rocky, uh, uh, but he yeah. got results.
2: Speaking of Rocky, which hit you hardest uh, when the actor died as Paul Creed or when he died as Chubbs?
1: Wow. Did, that's both Ooh. Carl Weathers, huh?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, which death hit you harder? Wow. Chubbs, did,
1: <laughs> wait, well, did Chubbs get eaten by the alligator or did he just have a heart attack and when he saw
0: the alligator? Yeah, had a heart attack because when he Adam saw the, Sandler like Sandler stuffed the, the alligator. That's right. Yeah, like Captain Hook. Yeah,
1: okay. I would then, say uh,
0: <laughs> definitely Apollo Creek.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, definitely seeing a man beaten to death in a sporting event versus <laughs> heart attack induced by an alligator, a saltwater
2: alligator. I uh, thought it was worth mentioning. I, I do have one more. I'm sorry mm-hmm. to interject. Uh, Billy Haywood from Little Big League. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this movie or not, but a 12-year-old boy inherits the twins, the the baseball franchise the twins that is every kid's dream to be the owner of a sports franchise and he as a 12 year old you know takes the twins and they win some playoff games and they do like hygiene and shenanigans like they do the hide the ball trick and that's how like they get people out and stuff like that never even heard of
1: little big league that's a it's, thing. oh yeah
2: i love kid, on this kid baseball movies is my jam um Love that. Story. I remember the rookie. The rookie was great. Oh, no, not the rookie. Rookie of the year. Rookie of the year, yeah. Yeah, rookie of the year was <laughs> great.
1: Where he hurts his arm and it goes back.
2: When I broke my elbow, like, in my sophomore year of high school, I was like, oh, man, when I come out of this, I'm going to throw 115 100. miles an hour. And uh, as soon as I got my cast off, the next day I went outside and I threw a ball, like, straight down in the yard. <laughs> <and I> went, <laughs> not like the movies. And I was like... The rookie of the year lied to me.
1: <laughs> in all seriousness, I think the best coach that's ever been put on TV is Coach Boone from Remember the Titans, yeah. uh, because yeah. Yeah. of the of the racial divide that he had to conquer, uh, mm-hmm. because of um, uh, taking over. And that's wild. I, I watched this a couple weeks ago, and I forgot that not only did he have to take over a, a new program in a in a horrible time. Uh, but also, the former head coach stayed on as the defensive coordinator, yeah and you got to yeah. think about you come on as a as a new head football coach with players that were already here co uh, playing underneath this coach who's still there, and yeah. so he had to not only get the players to bind him, he had to get his coaching staff to buy into him um and I think that remember the Titans did a really, really good job of showing that it wasn't just. It wasn't just clean, cut and dry. Hey, you know, we're here. We all love each other. They still, they had to get past the racial divide and the the, the times really um, to, yeah. to form a, a family, to form a, a, a team. Um, that's a really good movie. And I know that I started this off with Coach Bombay versus uh, Coach Brooks, <laughs> one of whom is an Olympian and one, a, a, an Olympian gold medalist. And the other one is a uh, Emilio Estevez. That's not Emilio Estevez. Yeah, no. It's, yeah, yeah. It is Emilio right. Estevez, yeah. yeah.
2: So uh, funny story about, Miracle, my first coaching gig, my first ever varsity football game as a coach. Our head coach walked into the locker room like ten minutes before kickoff and did the miracle speech <laughs> verbatim. It was the
1: kids were probably young enough that they hadn't seen Miracle yeah. or like Correct. recently. There were, yeah, there were like
2: three kids looking around at each other, going like, "This sounds familiar." He just replaced Russians with whatever team we were playing that week, and incredible. All the coaches were looking at each other, like, "Is this guy for real right now?" <laughs> is he really doing the miracle? Like we all started quoting it with him and all the yeah, players were like, is. what is happening?
1: And is in, in a similar fashion? He's not uh, still there.
2: <laughs> just to be clear. If that wasn't.
1: In, in a similar fashion, you know, the scene from Hoosiers uh, where he measures the post you know, from, or he measures the rim, you know, from the ground or I think it's the backboard. Maybe he says, see, you know, 10 feet, just like going back home when they're playing the national championship game mm-hmm. to show yeah. them, you know, it's, you know, same dimensions. It's so just, just a, just another game we're playing against another group of guys just like normal, so we were going to play a really big team um, that's got their own college field and we play on a high school field, uh, which in Texas high school fields and college fields are different size. The hashes are further yeah. apart um, in high school and then they're closer together in college. And so I had this idea of like I'm gonna go through and do the Hoosiers thing, you know? I'm gonna measure out the sideline to sideline. Say so it's the same thing. I got out to the field with the measuring tape and I was like oh no, this is different. Because <laughs> <This is different. laughs> I, I had forgotten because I've been on high school field for so long. And, uh, and when I got there, I was like, well, I'm not going to do this one. Gene Hackman, you get to keep this one. I'm not going to do the same thing. So, doesn't always hit the same. That's yeah, Yeah. Um, so we Very talked cool. about some of the best coaches that are bosses. Uh, another form of a boss is you know, like a military leader uh, or, you know, I guess mm-hmm. any other kind of leader. But one that came to mind for me was um, obviously, William Wallace from Braveheart uh, yeah. a, was a great leader. He had some great motivational speeches. Uh, but Inspiring I think, in a nation, yeah. And I think Maximus from Gladiator, though, yes. was able to start a revolution uh, f- as a slave. He was able to start a, rev- a re- mm-hmm. revolution and was, you know, almost effective. That's uh, a great
0: th- point. He was a phenomenal general, which he was so right. good that got him in trouble because the, the prince was jealous and then he became a slave and then still was so good that he rose up from nothing and overtook an emperor. Just, I think the gladiator does a great job of showing Decimus uh, or Maximus, Decimus Rudius, uh, Russell Crowe's character, giving out orders. And then some people like being lost and not knowing and kind of listening and they survive and the other ones don't. And then everybody yeah. else teams up and realizes that if they're together like it just it just visually shows a team a group of people listening and respecting and responding to his leadership and surviving and overcoming an insane obstacle mm-hmm. which i think is really interesting cuz when we talk about boss often oftentimes you just think about in the office place and a lot of times in those scenarios you're the the main character is a is a ground level worker and the boss is like the antagonist the person they have to overcome right but it coaches and war generals share and that they can be the main protagonist or at least a character that shares the spotlight because it's all about group effort it's can the group come together to overcome another group a lot of times bigger and the coach is kind of the leader that's trying to inspire and build up and and get the most out of the team
1: leonidas from 300 is another one where the odds were extremely against them, but because they, they had a leader who had a plan and they were, they were going to execute his plan, they were able to win for at least a little bit of time <laughs> so, before it all went bad.
2: So I think that um, the best example of a military leader is General Hummel from The Rock. And again, <laughs> again I know he's the bad guy, um, he's definitely the bad guy I don't know why you said it like that I don't know. He's 100% <laughs> the bad guy no everyone in that movie is the bad guy um, except for Nick Cage he's I the
1: mean the one guy. with the nuclear weapons that's
2: pointing it at a city they're that's they're the bad they're, guy holding bio, it hostage they're biochemical first of all and all right. second of all he wasn't going to do it that's the whole thing right but um, sorry that's neither here nor there I'm talking about him as a leader uh, he convinced like 50 marines to commit mutiny against their country like, you have to have some sway to do that. Uh, <laughs> this and is a good boy. He, he developed a whole strategy and plan, executed it perfectly. Only one dude got trapped in that locker when he got, like, you know, his face melted off or whatever at the beginning. Um, he took over a prison island. He was able to do effective negotiations uh, to the point that they are like, oh, he's for real. And – But he also had moral guidelines. Like, he didn't want to kill those guys when they came into the shower. He was, Mm. like, asking, begging them, like, put down your weapons. Like, we we really don't want to to shoot you. And then also, um, he wasn't ever going to fire the rockets. And then some of his subordinates, you know, were like, oh, we're doing it. We're like, here we go. He's like, no, we called. We like, it was a bluff. But it was all for getting money for, you know, fallen soldiers who were on Black Ops missions that didn't get payment to their families. And so like, great heart, strong leader. Uh, effect- His speeches, by the way, awesome. And also the way he can end up and be like, General Hummel, out, out, and then hang up. It's like, yeah, that dude's a, that dude rocks.
0: Dang. The only thing that I could offer as a, because I think that's a good example of the bad guy villain being a great boss and, but just like morally just on the wrong side of things um like, like, kind of like a hans gruber in yeah. Die
1: Hard. <laughs> that you're talking about ed harris uh reminded me of uh bruce willis from armageddon uh that's a that's oh, a pretty yeah. cool boss any boss that's willing to you know, shoot a shotgun at an employee who's messing up his, his, his work. I'm for that guy. I'm all for, well, I'm all for, well, everybody's got a job, do your job. You know, if you don't, you should uh-huh. probably be shot at. I don't know. But. You, you like to work in
2: dangerous work environments.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the dude lives on an oil rig and the, like the first chance there's not even a chance, like the first mention of somebody's going to space to drill a hole in an in an asteroid. He's like, I'm going. And they're like, No, mm-hmm. we've already got asteroids. we He's like, No, no, no. You need me up there because drilling is an art form. You can't I'm get going, to astronauts out of two.
2: I'm going, and I'm not paying taxes anymore. Yes. That- yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> he f- he fought for his employees to get you know, hey, the go. benefits they deserved That's for right. the hazard. So rate.
2: true.
0: So true. That is uh, uh
1: that is definitely some interesting uh, bosses we pointed out. Drew, you got anything else?
0: Yeah, I got two more that I wanted to talk about as far as the uh, war kind of military leaders. Um, I think the best military leader in movies is Tom Hanks from Saving Private Ryan as Captain Miller. I think he does a great job. Like, you can just tell that his team have been through him, that he's gotten through almost every front in World War II. Uh, it's crazy all the places that they fought in. But they remain so loyal to him. They're their own unit, and they, like, they don't. They they just follow him across Germany to save this one kid. That that loyalty is incredible, uh, and that's why I think he's one of the greatest military leaders. And then the one I, other one I want to talk about was Captain Barbosa from Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. Okay. I think, I think he is the best captain of the ship, and you realize it because every single time Jack Sparrow gets the black pearl, he loses it because he is not a good leader. He's not a good boss. No, nah, he's, he's terrible. He's Interesting. Lucky. Yeah. Yeah. He's so lucky and he's the main character of the movies. He always wins out, but Captain Barbosa, like the men fight for him. He commands their loyalty. He's smart and a strong fighter. And he overthrows Captain Jack multiple times. I don't know how he's not the main character in that franchise. He's such a great captain.
1: I feel you on that. That's yeah. a that's a really good one. He's he definitely uh, has the ability to lead. He's his, much uh, better he than well.
2: Captain Jack Sparrow. I'll, I'll he's, yeah, he's a
1: much better boss than Jack Sparrow is. Um, I think that while we all brought up some good points and some good bosses, mm-hmm. I think we can all agree that the absolute best boss to work for would be Tony Stark on the Avengers, <laughs> as for no reason other than you get free rent in a mansion. And uh, you know all your utilities are taken care of. He makes you suits, you know, and the and only stuff. person,
2: the only people he's the boss of is Pepper and and Peter Parker. Like um, nobody, nobody else works for him. Or, so, and, and Happy,
1: yeah, like, essentially. But in terms of like the Avengers, whether you're in comic books or the TV shows or the movies, like the Avengers Tower is Tony Stark's thing. He's paying for. So mm, you know he oh he has a he has a joke oh can't remember if it's age of voltron but when like uh somebody asked captain america a question he's like well you know i technically pay for everything but i guess he's the leader um and uh and like the hulk like smashes through like part of uh like the hulk smashes through part of his tower in avengers and uh he looks around he's like you can clean up if you want you know (laughs) because it's his home that they're all living in um and so it's definitely in the in the i guess in the tv shows it's definitely like his home they're all living in so maybe that's a different medium i don't know uh but i would personally say captain america is the boss of the avengers but tony stark pays for everything which uh is he's like he's the producer
2: you guys don't think hawkeye's the leader that's weird wow let's still get into that here (laughs) um
1: so i think right now we're gonna do is head into our two minutes um where we're all going to spend two minutes talking about uh a certain topic, whether it's related to this or not. Um, we talked about bosses for a long time. So I was going to take my two minutes to talk about uh, the best secretary uh, on film and go. My choice for best secretary, uh, which first off, secretaries are very important. Bosses are in charge of everything, but they need people to help execute their plan, whether it's employees on on the sales team, on the enforcement team, or someone that can just make sure they're staying uh up to date on what they've got to do I think Pepper Potts was a great secretary uh and actually she turned she went from essentially secretary to um the head of Stark Industries uh in the Iron Man franchise my favorite one in the Iron Man franchise though is Natasha Romanoff in Iron Man 2 was hired as a secretary uh Albeit she was a spy and she was undercover, but for the like for the first like hour of Spider-Man or of of Iron Man two, she is like just like taking his notes for him and like walking around with him and and doing like mundane stuff, and then she starts beating everybody up. Uh, So I think that a a woman of that caliber, uh, someone who brings that much force to the secretary game, has to go down as the all-time created the secretary in film. That's my two minutes. I spent less than a minute and a half on it. Boom. Who's next?
0: Effective leading there using what you only using what you needed. Absolutely. Um, uh, I go next about my two minutes. Um, I'm going to spend my two minutes talking about one of the worst bosses. So you go ahead and hit that timer if you'd like. Um, I'm talking about Bill Lumberg from office space. <laughs> I think it's still appropriate to talk about him and the best bosses podcast because I think he represents the, a boss that most people interact with on a daily basis the best. I think he is the most accurate representation of kind of that mundane job that a lot of people work nine to five at every day, and they feel like their boss just doesn't listen to them, asks, doesn't care about what they want, what they think, just needs them to work through, get the, get the job done, come in on the weekends, doesn't view them as a person. And it's awful. He's a terrible, horrible boss. But one of the best representations of a boss that people deal with, and so I think he could he could have made it on the list of best bosses if we weren't talking about the best most fun bosses to work for. Which I don't even know if we stuck to. I think we we hit a wide array of different types of bosses and what constitute best boss. But just just he's a meme about boss like. I'm going to need you to come in on Saturday and whatever it, the main character Ron Livingston's character like you can just feel he's got a point he he wants to he's got a drive he wants this but the boss isn't listening glazed over doesn't care yeah I'm going to need you to come in on Saturday and get this done it's like you just feel that you just it's it hurts it hurts and it's so drawn out and so long i think it's one of the greatest characters uh and the epitome of a boss in movies.
1: i think if your boss has never made you want to pull a copier out of the office space and put it outside and (laughs) beat it with a bat i think that you haven't been you know in enough in enough areas of of working spaces yet and i think everybody (laughs) everybody needs to have that one guy who's like I'm ready to take a baseball bat to whatever is near me. <laughs> Everybody's got to work for one of those at some point in their life.
2: Yeah, Drew Crawford, you've got two minutes. So uh, the boss I want to talk about, it's similar to what Drew Allen was just talking about, but it's the boss from Fight Club because I think he gets a bad rap as like a bad boss, but I think Edward Norton is just unstable. Like He doesn't <laughs> actually do anything wrong. right? He's just he wears his blue cauliflower tie or whatever. And Edward Orton's like, oh, it must be Tuesday because he's wearing his blue tie. <laughs> it's like, oh, he's just, he's wearing a tie. Like, What's your problem? Uh, just because yeah. you have issues doesn't mean your boss is bad. All he does is like his job and expects you to do your job. He doesn't put undue pressure on you. He, he doesn't sit there and like berate you or try to like, you know, make you come in on Saturday. All he's asking you to do is your job then you go into his office and beat the hell out of yourself and blame (laughs) him. He's the victim. And that's not cool. Like, I feel bad for that guy. He's just trying to clock in his nine to five, you know, get his stuff done, be a good boss to Edward Norton and like 600 other people and just, and go home and, you know, hang out with his family or do whatever. Like he's just trying to get through the day like everybody else. Then Edward Norton comes in and totally F's his world up. And that's not cool. So, like, I want to defend him a little bit with my two minutes. I'm not saying he's the perfect boss, but he doesn't deserve to be blackmailed, right? And we all, like, as viewers, you're supposed to not like this dude, apparently, for some reason. And it doesn't make any sense. So I've got a few seconds left, but I'm done. That's it. That guy, I don't even know what his name is.
1: (laughs) i can't even think of who i can't even think of his character in fight club now
2: he's kind of balding a little bit like yeah. Yeah. he's apparently like, not a big player in Fight no, Club. no he's not and that's what I, I feel terrible for that dude he
0: gets yep. Yeah. he like represents society but edward orton is just his character is just upset with the world yeah and takes it out on this guy who's just doing
2: his job that's such a great point not cool
1: well, that is, uh, that is our, our weekly two minutes. Uh, to end this out, we're going to talk about, uh, open up our first mailbag uh, from listeners uh, that have uh, sent us in some uh, responses, comments, questions, concerns to the show. If you have a question, comment, uh, or concern about the show, there's two ways of finding us and uh, getting in touch with us. Uh, the first is npnt podcast at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at ntpydpodcast podcast. Um, if you have anything you'd like for us to talk about on the show or if you have any questions, comments or concerns, or if you want to tell us that we are just totally wrong, uh, let <laughs> us know. Uh, our first ever mailbag session comes from MK in South Lake, a, a, a friend of the show. And MK uh, was directing this at me from last week's episode about top 10 TV shows. I had stated that uh, Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes was bad and that Benedict Cumberbatch's Sherlock Holmes was way better. And I got a scathing review from MK <laughs> no. uh, in Southlake saying that I was very, very wrong and that I needed to rewatch the movies uh, because I was disgracing
2: um, our podcast. It was a, it was a hot sports opinion. I believe I, you actually said that uh Bennett Cumberbatch would murder Robert Downey Jr.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like if it came down to like a battle of wits, you know, like uh, the first episode of Sherlock when he's doing the battle of wits with a cab driver? You understand yeah. that they
2: are the same character, right? Like you can't and say so a battle of wits. Robert like Downey the same Jr.'s attitude.
1: Robert Downey Jr.'s guy would like slow down time and be like, which organ can I punch? Sherlock Holmes would be like <laughs> Like, all right, which bottles got poisoned in that one, great. You freaking take that bottle, you know? Like it's it's it wouldn't be it wouldn't be close. Uh in my That's... opinion. But that being said, MK from South Lake, I am going to uh rewatch those shows now, those movies now, just for you. Uh if anybody has
2: You say battle, Downey, but like if it came down to like an actual battle battle, yeah <laughs> battle, like Robert Downey Jr. would kick his ass because he's the only no Sherlock to punch That's all right combat
0: so, experience all right
1: so let me just take this for a, a spin also, here if the Watsons get
2: involved Jude Law would totally okay me. here's where
1: y'all me. are so wrong because y'all are idiots Benedict oh. Cumberbatch Sherlock Holmes is in present day there are machine guns there are bombs freaking Sherlock Holmes Robert Downey Sherlock Holmes in like the 1800s or something I don't even know it A long time ago.
0: (laughs) He's bringing with him diseases. Benjamin Cumberbatch shot someone
1: in the head with a handgun in the third season of Sherlock Holmes.
0: He's a murderer.
1: He is a sociopath. He does not care.
0: High functioning. He's
1: a high functioning sociopath. He does not care about you or your feelings, and he has handguns. So. I, it, if definitely, if we're talking about who would murder the other one, hundred percent, Benedict Cumberbatch's character. Point. You may have twins. swung me. You may have swung me. <laughs>
2: that's not fair. Right. That's, that's not a representation of who they are as people. It's a representation of the technology of the time. That's that's not cool. That's cheating. I guess well, we need to establish
0: some ground rules of how this battle is going down. <laughs> that's for another podcast. All right. and We've got are they fighting
2: inside the mind palace because that's a whole oh, man
1: well mk thank you for uh your feedback on the show we welcome anybody and everybody to reach out to us at ntpydpodcast at gmail.com or and on we twitter will respond
0: to as many of these as we can like i said we got thousands of viewers yeah um, there's so many there's best. so many pouring in
1: right now we're really yeah. taking the top one <laughs> that's uh <laughs> that's okay, coming <laughs> Uh, the fact that we have someone who cares enough to reach out—that is—that's uh, really cool. For us. It's great, yes. Um, thank you, guys, for joining. Not the podcast you deserve. As we talked about our favorite bosses uh, from movies, we are looking forward to getting back together next week. We'll be talking about something different. Until then.